0: This message is called Faith And, and this is part of the way that we're going to do family talks. This is, a, this is a time when our church family needs to have a talk. We need to talk about something. And so usually I come and I talk to you about something and taking and growing in your faith or discovering faith, finding out what the Bible has to say about an issue in your life and then how you can live by that and how much the Bible works, how awesome you see that work out in your life. But today, it's all about how do we operate as a family? What does the Bible has to, has, have to say about how we operate as a family with a particular subject? And today's is faith and mental health. What, what does the Bible have to say about how our family, how do we as a family, are we going to interact with faith and mental health? And so <clears throat> as we jump into this, uh, here's where I'm coming from. I'm coming from the place that this is oftentimes a difficult conversation. It, most all of us at some point or another have been like, um, I'm not sure how much I should share. I'm not, I'm not sure what I sh- how I should respond. And if you've jumped into these conversations, you know they can actually be landmines sometimes. You, you totally meant to do good, but somebody's feelings got hurt along the way. And so uh, as we jump into this, what we're going to do is first I'm going to lay out the way that Skyline reacts, how we interact with each other and how we interact with life. There's a particular door that we ask everyone to walk through. If you take membership class, you're familiar with this door. And so that's what I want to lay out first. Then we're going to take a look at a passage of Scripture. Then we're going to have an interview with someone who is interacting with mental health. Uh, and then I'm going to finish up from there. And then we're going to invite new people to be a part of our family. So uh, let's jump in. What's this door thing? What's, that, what, what's this all about? We ask everyone to walk through the door. And so my, my thesis for today, my big idea for today is this. That as a family, when it comes to our, our conversations and our helping each other and growing with each other in the area of mental health, we always operate from this place right here, which is this. <clears throat> Number one, throw out the old way of life. That as you approach life, you never want to come into life going, yeah, I know. I know what to do. I know what the right thing is to do. I, I got this down. You actually always want to come into to, to life going, okay wait a minute, let's, let's, let's admit this common phrase. I don't know what works for sure. But I do know that what I'm doing doesn't. See, Skyline's built on this idea. Skyline is built on the idea that we want to reach people that as they're going through life, they're like, hey, I, I, I need some help here. I, I, I don't like what's going on here. I need some help here. And so... I am not really sure what does work, but I'm pretty sure that what I'm doing doesn't work that great. So when it comes to this conversation, that might be true with the the mental health conversation. So how do you do that? One, what's that mean? One, you throw out your beliefs, what I think is true. Two, you throw out your values, what I think is important. Three, I throw out my opinions, the way I think things should be, and I throw out my practices, the way I live my life. That's a big step. This is why. When you try to mix what I already know with learning new things, you'll take the things that you already practiced that don't work and you'll put them into the new. It's very difficult to learn and grow that way. So what you got to do is throw out all of it and do number two. Start all over. Trusting Jesus as my leader. Now this is a family talk. In Skyline... We are not a group of people who think we collectively come up with great ideas. We don't think we come up with the truth. We think Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is our leader. That's who we're looking to follow. And the Bible as my game plan. And that Jesus communicates to us through the Bible. So we want to start all over going, wait, 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 wait. I don't want to bring my past into this. I want to. I want to start all over. Together, we find out what Jesus has to say and what the Bible has to say, and let's go from there. Now, here's the passage I want to share with you. This passage is in Ecclesiastes. We think it was written by Solomon, and in this passage, he's observing life. He's looking at life. Solomon's a very interesting guy because he actually experienced all the dreams you ever go after. He got everything he ever wanted, And then he had this observation as he watched life. He's going to talk about oppressors here, and it's literally oppressors. This passage is not about mental health. But as you read it, you're like, wait, wait, wait. I've felt like that before. I've felt like that before. I've felt like that before. Let's take a look at it. Again, I looked and I saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed. And they have no comforter. Power was on the side of the oppressors and they have no comfort. Someone else is ruling my life. Someone else is taking away my opportunity. And I declared that the dead who, are, who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive, but better than both. You're like, man, it'd, it'd be better off if I wasn't here. Is the one who has, but better I'm sorry, but better than both is the one who has never been born, who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. He goes on to say, and I saw all the toil. This is a, sh- this is a shift. I saw all the toil and all the achievement spring from one person's envy to another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Fools fold their hand and ruin themselves. They, they, they've lived their lives in such a way that they've ruined their lives. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Now he makes another shift. He goes from the the oppressor to those who ruin their own lives to those who are pursuing wealth and privilege. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no one... There was no end to his toil. He worked and worked and worked, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom for whom am I toiling, he asked. For whom am I working, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? Why do I spend all of my time working? This too is meaningless. It's a miserable business. Then he makes a huge shift, and he says this. There are two better than one, two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. So he walked through all of this, he's like, this is meaningless, this is meaningless, this is horrible, this is horrible, but if you have two of you, one can help the other one up. Also, if two lie down together and they will keep warm, how, but how can one keep warm alone, though one may be overpowered? Two can defend themselves. A cord of three stands is not quickly broken. Now, I don't you probably have never experienced this. You probably never have. You probably never experienced that you were in a super cold place and you had to lay next to someone to stay warm. You may have enjoyed laying next to somebody in a couple relationship. I'm not talking about that. When I was a little kid, my room, the house I grew up in, my room had no heat in it. And so we only had, our house only had one room that had heat in it, and the other rooms, the bedrooms, had no heat in them. And so my, we would get really warm by the stove, and my parents would go into our bedroom, pull back the covers, and we would run into, my brother and I, Sometimes three of us would run into the bedroom, jump in the bed, and cuddle up next to each other. And all night, you'd cuddle up next to each other, and you'd turn, and you'd turn, and you'd turn. Because if you were alone, you'd freeze. It was cold. That's his picture. That's a picture he's taking. The warmth of two or three together under a blanket, it's amazing how warm you can stay versus the one. And the other picture he paints is that a a braid you take three cords and you braid them together they're incredibly strong did you know that you could take three strings and put them side by side and they're not nearly as strong as those same three strings braided together it's an incredible principle what's it mean we need each other when it comes to this mental health thing What what mental health tends to do more than anything else is to separate you The person who's struggling For various reasons like I got to protect this we got to keep this secret. Nobody should know I'm gonna control who knows this I'm gonna protect myself. I'm gonna protect the person I love by being alone or controlling who knows this the person who Wants to help that person is like, "Ah, I I don't want to hurt. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I don't want to do the wrong thing. And so we'll tend to kind of shy away from that place. Well, as a family who says, we want to throw away the old way of life. We want to follow Jesus and what he has to say. We need each other. In this arena of mental health, we need each other. There's a way to do this together. We have somebody who has actually uh, been convicted to start a ministry to help that happen within our church family and to help people who are going through their family members struggling with mental health. Um, This person has been a part of Skyline Really, from the very, very beginning, they've ministered in Awana and groups and coaching and and all over the place. Regina, would you please come on out? Good morning. Great to have you. Thank you very
1: much.
0: Okay. Uh, First is, uh, what are we talking about? What's this called? Give us just a few details.
1: The group that I want to start, which I'm really, really excited about, is called Family Grace. In this group, we're going to focus on the family members learning how to um, deal with your faith. That's where we start with the Bible. We're going to talk about facts, um, learning practical tools, and the future. There's hope. There's always hope in God.
0: Okay, terrific. And so... Why would you get this started? What's, what's your story? What's happened with you?
1: Okay, so my story is long, but I'll give you the short version. In 2014, early in two th- 2014, um, we had a family member who started to show signs of mental struggles. I wanted to help, but I didn't know where to begin. Actually, I felt like there was a spinning, I was on a, a wheel. And it was going round and round. So what I did was I took some time and I started researching um, the web. I attended workshops. I made phone calls. I read books, a lot of books. And we even went as far as looking at the brain to see what was going on.
0: All right. And so along the way, right, uh, is there anything that happened, that surprised you?
1: Yeah, there are two key things that surprised me. Um, The mental struggle that we go through doesn't define us, God defines you. And another thing that I think is really, really important is that um, there's no stigma. I came up with this mind in Jesus, there's no stigma, only grace, and we want to experience that together.
0: All right, that's awesome. So this group that you're going to start, so did you, did you get any training? Like, did you go to a seminar for a weekend? Um, what, what kind of training have you had?
1: Well, actually, I did online workshops. I have become certified as a mental health coach, and I also have become certified as a facilitator for life groups support groups
0: so how, how long did that take six weeks what did that take
1: it took me about two and a half years to do this
0: wow so this was like regular schooling that you're going through
1: it was like school wings like what are you doing i'm like uh i'm learning so it took about two and a half years yeah
0: okay awesome all right do you have any questions for me
1: um when you think of mental health what do you think of
0: Uh, So, the first thing that comes to my mind uh, is confusion. And the reason for that word is, the reason for confusion is the fact that there's this spectrum, right? And the spectrum goes everywhere from actual brain injury. Um, I've had uh, more than once, but there was a special guy named Brent in uh, my youth group and used to coach him in basketball and he got in a car accident, and he had a brain injury, and it entirely changed his personality, entirely changed the way that you were interacting with him. Uh, Our youth group and his family had to retrain how we would interact with him based on what happened. So you have that all the way to behavioral issues, uh, relationship issues, things that really are emotional, sometimes very, very spiritual, all the way over to the brain. So whenever somebody uses that phrase, I use the word confusion because uh, that we don't know what we're really talking about. Like You have to go further to find out, wait a minute, what are we specifically talking about?
1: And I've come to recognize or realize that our whole person, we're dealing with the whole person, we're, we're dealing with our physical health, we're dealing with our spiritual health, and we're also dealing with um, our mental and emotional health. So basically, we can say that mental health is how we deal uh, with the normal stresses of life, everyday life, like work, finances, family, relationships, whatever life throws at you. How do you deal with this? So we're looking at the stressors, how are we mentally dealing with that?
0: Okay. So uh, give me a little more detail about this ministry. Like how long would it take? What would a meeting look like?
1: The meeting would be about an hour and a half, one night a week for about eight weeks. Um, And then we'll take a break, and then we can do another eight weeks. We'll go through the book, and again we're going to look at Faith, starting with the Bible, fact, learning personal, learning practical tools—not personal tools—and future, realizing that there's hope.
0: Okay, great. So, what are the details for getting involved? Who do they contact? What do they do?
1: You can contact me at um, Regina at SkylineNJ.org, or you can uh, reach out on the app.
0: Okay, so. the app. We like you to s- register on the app for just about everything. It just works really, really well. But if you don't have the app, then you can email her at Skyline, or at <clears throat> Regina, R-E-G-I-N-A.
1: Yes, R-E-G-I-N-A.
0: At SkylineNJ.org. All right. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Right. Needless to say. Uh, we're super excited to be able to have a place for people to, to start that conversation where the two fears that you have, you're able to say right up front and be able to, to deal with them. Let's continue to, to say, wait a minute, as a church, how do we not walk alone, but have two or three walking together? The, the next passage I want to take a look at is from Ephesians. This is specifically to the church. It's specifically instructions from God as to how our church should function. In Ephesians chapter 4, he talks about people are gifted, and and the reason that they're gifted is so that they can train other people to be able to do the, the ministry so people aren't tossed back and forth, lost in their emotions, lost in whatever's going on in life. And then he says this, instead, speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. So the person who is struggling with some kind of mental health, is fearful that you're going to hurt them. They're fearful that you believe something or think something that's going to hurt them. Most of all, they're fearful you're gonna hurt somebody they love. And, And we tend to want to protect that person. And when you hear speak the truth in love, That can be like a red flag, like, whoa, that sounds dangerous. But what God wants us to do is to to learn how to talk to each other about really hard things so that we can speak the truth in a way that it's only best for the other person. The person who's about to speak the truth in love also is fearful that I'm not going to come off great or that should I change the truth? Should I change the truth because maybe the truth is going to hurt? How do we do that? Well, that's what God's called us to do. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him. Now, at this point, I'm going to throw something in that I believe. I believe it because of what I've read in the Bible. It's also what I believe because I've watched it. I've watched it happen over and over and over again. Everyone can grow. Everyone. There is no state that you get to, you're like, okay, that person can't grow. Now, if you're, if you're totally medically online here, you'd be like, what if they're in a coma? That might be true. But let's, we're talking here about someone who's, who is... With us, right? You're part of us. Everybody can grow. And by the way, Jesus is responsible for us getting to the destination. We're responsible to put ourselves in a position to grow. Not to get to the destination. Not to, and I'm going to say this later, not to fix the situation but to grow in it together. To become become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. That's his responsibility. From him, the whole body, the whole body, all of us, this is the family talk. None of you are outside of this. All of you are essential to this. The whole body... Joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We cannot walk alone. We've got to do this together. But it's hard. Yeah, we got to, we got to walk through the hard stuff. That's where we grow. That's where we, we find Christ. That's where we continue to just keep walking through the door. So here's some suggestions along the way. Here's some practices that, that I think would be healthy for us to practice along the way. Number one, remember, we are not responsible to fix one another. We are not responsible to fix one another. For the person who is struggling with the mental health, you tend to think everybody thinks they have the answer. They, you tend to think, well, they all think they have the answer. They all think, well, let's agree on this right now. Let's walk through the door. We don't have the answer. We do want to find out what Jesus has to say together. We do want to throw our old life and follow Jesus as our leader and find out what the Bible has to say together. But in that process, I'm not responsible to fix you. You're not responsible to fix me. We're trusting who to do that. Jesus does the fixing. Number two, let's love one another by getting to know each other. Let's love one another by getting to know each other. Have you ever been in a con- in a conflict? Have you ever been in a tense situation? Where before you come to the situation, right, you're driving to whatever's going to happen. You're going to have this conversation, or you're sitting in your desk, or you're, you're preparing for this conflict, right? You're like, I'm going to say this, and they're going to say that. I'm going to say this, and they're... you're totally focused on the issue, and you are going to. You're going you're gonna to be right. You're going to do the right thing. You're not going to hurt them, but you're gonna, it's going to be great. You're going to, oh, I'm scary. What are you going to do? And you, and you sit down to talk to them, and they go, hey, Chris? How are you doing? No, that's not what we're doing here. So tell me about your family. No, that is not what we're doing here. Do you not understand we're in conflict? It's entirely disarming. I'm not giving this as a strategy. I'm giving this as a lifestyle. It is far more important that we get to know each other on this journey than it is that we fix the problem. Let me say that again. It is far more important that we get to know each other, that we share the journey, that we find out about each other. I mean, we really get to know each other on the journey than it is that we fix the problem. Now, personally, I, I struggle with this principle. Well, I do, I, I tend to be a fix it guy. I tend to be, you want to hang out and talk? Like, I can give you 15 minutes, man. But God's taught me this over and over and over again. No, 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 no. This journey of getting to know the person, I already know them. (laughs) What? No, you don't. How do I know? You just told me you did. You clearly don't. I, I know my wife. I know everything. No, you don't. And you live with a person. Certainly we don't know each other, right, when when we're going through this. Now, here's a couple things to practice along the way. Be careful not to suspend biblical principles for men's wisdom. In the era of mental health, there is a direct attack on the truth. If, if you've been involved in mental health at all, you know this is actually true. There's this idea that we are going to suspend. Now, mental health is different than everything else, so we're going to suspend what the Bible has to say. It doesn't apply to this situation. We can't walk through the door and do that at the same time. If we do that, we have nothing to t- All we have to talk about is our own opinions, and that's not going to get us anywhere. That will get us hurt. Let's, let's go, no, 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 we may not know what the Bible says, we may not know how to apply the Bible to this, but we're not going to suspend what the Bible says in this situation. It's dangerous. It's a lose-lose if we do that. Number two, be careful not to become defensive or define yourself by anyone or anything other than Jesus. Jesus. This is true for both sides. This is true for the person who may be in the helping role and this might, or the loving role or the getting-to-know role and the person who's in the role of, wait, my, my family member or I myself am struggling with this. You have, to, you have to constantly go, wait, 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 wait. The issue I'm struggling with is not who I am. And this person over here has got to constantly go, wait. The, wait. What? What I view of this situation is not who I am. And to constantly go, no, no, no. Let's define ourselves based on what Jesus says. Let's, I know we're going through this right now, but this is what Jesus says is true about who we are. See, give one another the benefit of the doubt. Come on. Of course this is a tough thing for us to walk through. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of variables Give each other the benefit of the doubt. When someone hurts you, say, is it, did you mean to hurt me? Did you mean to that really hurt? Did you mean to hurt me? It's amazing what happens in a relationship when you go, did you mean to hurt me? And you watch the other person on the other side and go, oh my goodness, no way. There's no, oh, whoa. I no way. I don't, the last thing I want to do is hurt you. Did you, did you mean to hurt me? And number three, let's minister together in the tension of our weakness and failures. What do you mean? We tend to want to, 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 to take whatever issue we're struggling with and go, okay, let's get this fixed and then we'll go minister. Well, there's something that's very true about many, many, many of the problems in our lives. It's going to be in the ministry. It's going to take a lifetime to see some of these things and maybe won't be fixed until eternity. There's a lot of mental health things. They're not going away until eternity. There's other things in life. There's problems in life. They're not going away until eternity. So, God did not call upon us to fix these things and then minister together. He calls upon us to minister together with those things in place. It's a beautiful thing. As a matter of fact, anytime you watch it happen, anytime you see somebody who's really struggling with something and they come along together and in the midst of that struggle, they minister to other people, you cry. You do. I can make a grown man cry with that video. Because it grabs your heart and you're like, that's what life's all about. That is what life is all about right there. In the midst of the struggle, we come together and we do it together. So, I'm gonna give you three, three and three practical things on both sides. What's the first thing you absolutely, absolutely the first thing that you need to do? The first thing you need to do is, one, ask him for coffee. Hey, no, I'm sorry. That's not number one. Number one is this. Number one, you go, hey, is there any way I can help? Is there any way I can help? Those of you who are struggling with mental health or loving people struggling, the first thing I want you to say is this: Maybe I don't know. Don't say no. Say maybe I don't know. Second thing I want you to go is say is, hey, you willing to go for coffee? Would you wait? By the way, in our culture, isn't that funny? Do you want to go for culture? Go for coffee. It has nothing to do with coffee. It has to do with, hey, you want to talk? Can we get together and talk? That's what it means. On this side, go, yeah, okay, yeah, let, let's talk. On this side, go, hey, I, I want to I get to know you. That's what I'm here for. I just want to get to know you in the midst of what you're going through. And on this side, I want you to say, okay, but I want you to know, I'm, af- I'm, I'm afraid you're going to hurt me. I'm really afraid you're going to hurt me. I'm afraid that something you believe is going to hurt me. I'm afraid something you believe about me is going to hurt me. I'm afraid something you believe about whatever I'm, sh- I'm struggling with is going to hurt me. Start there. Just, just, let's, let's start practicing that. Let's just start there.